Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? Well, if anyone can answer this question, it's Red Balloon founder Naomi Simpson. Naomi imparts a brilliant piece of advice that she was given at the start of her entrepreneur journey. And this was by the founder of Nudie Juice, Tim Pethick. Tim said to her, being an entrepreneur is a bit like a clown punching bag. Every day you get hit and you just have to keep backing up. Naomi shares the mindset that has allowed her to be successful and how she managed to tie her family life into her business. She's got some really interesting ideas about this and also how Naomi focused on being present when it really mattered. The psychological question for you, have you studied Barbara Fredrickson's theory on broaden and build or broaden and build theory? No, I haven't. Because you epitomize it. So I was just wondering whether you had actually <laughs> <laughs> heard of it. Oops. There you go. <laughs> actually, um, personal recommendations are really important to me. And when it comes to, because reading a book, it takes so much focus, time, energy. And so therefore, um, personal recommendations are very important. Mm. Well, Fredrickson talks about how positive emotions in our life set us up to handle future challenging events. And you've just explained broaden and build theory beautifully. So I was wondering, does she actually know this construct or are you just enacting on it? Is this something that's come naturally? Have you always looked at business with an optimistic lens and applied positivity? I like the differentiation between the two. Yeah. um, Look, I remember years ago, somebody said to me, it was actually the founder of Nudie Juice, Tim Pethick, and he said to me, he said, being an entrepreneur is like being a clown punching bag. Anything can happen in a day. It'll hit you really hard. But our job is to just keep getting up with that smile on our face the next day. And I remember, look, you know, one thing after the next, after the next. And I remember saying to him, what if I just don't want to get up? And he said, oh, I thought you were an entrepreneur. There you go. And then, of course, that challenged me to get up again. So I guess I have always had a positive outlook and also the ability to focus on my own strengths, like what I need to get done. That was a real aha moment for me is about what am I good at and what am I, are my non-strengths? What am I not good at? Because when I spend my energy working in my power, so one of my things is winning others over. I love to chat. I love to meet people. Another one is input. So I'm a gatherer of information and or a gatherer and a collector and um, and one of my strengths is also positivity, self-assurance. You're not surprised by that one at all. So when I put those all together, they kind of validated who I was and it was absolutely okay to be who I was. What I'm not good at is necessarily empathy, which people are surprised at, not necessarily good at the detail. But sometimes your non-strengths can occur as a strength because you're putting in place something else. So my um, non-strength of not being empathetic at all, but because I'm interested and curious and I ask a lot of questions because I gather information, it appears that I'm empathetic when really I just don't give it <laughs> So how does it show up to someone if you are not being empathetic? What would that show up like or how, how would someone pick up on that? Um, somebody might pick up on that because empathy is far more about the feeling or the emotional connection. I'm deeply curious about how they experience it rather than necessarily feeling it. So it's a very, very subtle difference. But I think part of my evolution to leadership was understanding I didn't have to be good at everything. 
I didn't have to be great. You know, it just is the way it is. So play to my strengths and have people around me who have my non-strengths in spades. And I feel very fortunate I've had, you know, I have really great people around me, especially in the business. You have really good self-awareness. To have that awareness, but also the confidence to say, here's what I'm good at. Here's the areas that I need people around me. Go back. You started Red Balloon 2001. You left four or five years before that. You had a good corporate job. So before you became a clown punching bag, I love that that (laughs) analogy. There are so many people listening to this, or we hope there are so many people listening to this podcast going, that's me. I feel like a clown punching bag. It feels like I'm just getting whacked, whacked, whacked. So back when you left the corporate world, what was different then around your self-awareness? Um, look, I've always been very urgent. Everything was urgent. At university, I, I was one of those odd people who would just get in and do that assignment and I'd be much happier in a group environment project. Oh, I'll just do the whole thing and I'll just put your names on it. You know, that's kind of been my approach, which is not A, inclusive, and B, it's kind of my way or the highway, which on my leadership journey when it came to running my own show, I had had the feedback in, corporate that you know I was very gung-ho and was always in action and that was not necessarily listening to people around me and I did find corporate very frustrating for that reason so when I ran my own show at some point I was doing everything but then I knew I if I was ever going to grow that baby I had to have other people around me and that was quite a challenging journey Um, and that strengths work understanding what I love what I loathe really helped me get great people. And I've made many mistakes, you know, let's not say this has been a perfect road, but that really helped me on that journey to move from being, it's me, 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 it's urgent, urgent, urgent. I'll get this done to being, oh my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to get all this done. I need the right people in the right places. That's so inspiring. I can hear someone thinking this, saying this, oh, it's so inspiring. I'd love to be like her, but I've got young kids. I can't do this. You know, I'm going to wait until the kids get a little bit older. How did you balance that? They will grow up. You know, as Anne Sherry said to me when my kids were really little, she said, just remember they'll grow up and leave home. And she said, they won't remember whether you went to this, that and the other thing. And I asked my kids now, do you remember when I worked in the school tuck shop? No. (laughs) Do you remember when I did reading in the classroom? No. So, you know, I was beating myself up as a parent to do all of the right things and tick all of the right boxes. But the other things they do remember is me playing Monopoly with them before school every morning. You know, we play games and we do those things, so they remember those things. So I guess as a parent it's a what do you do for yourself because you love it and you want to be a part of it versus what you think will impact the child because they're on their own journey and they have their complete own view. I started my business from home so I could spend more time with our kids and now they're all off in Victoria. And But the thing was that I was always present. So, and I guess I was fortunate because smartphones weren't around and so we weren't always looking at the phone. But being able to be truly present and in your child's world, even if it's for an hour, is better than six hours half there. So that's why before school was our absolutely dedicated time and it was always also my way of getting ready for school. Do you want to play a game? Well, I've got to be ready for school. Um, and walking them to school and meeting their, their friends and their kids. That was my thing. So that's what I say to people who want to run a business. 
block out the time and just say, this is my job right now. But being a parent is a very important job and you've got to be really present with it too. It's refreshing hearing how clear you are on that. So what was important? I was going to ask you the question, but you answered it for me beautifully. You've done a bit of this before, Naomi. Oh, <laughs> um, love to chat. <laughs> but I imagine a number of people might hear that and have guilt. Did you ever have that guilt or was the conversation with Anne something that, yeah, that's really right, that's really rational. Spend the time with what they think is important rather than sort of whipping yourself thinking I've got to do all these other things. Because I do see this with a number of people in corporate and small business owners. They, they run around in guilt all the time and they never actually enjoy the moment, whether it's work or whether it's the time with the partner or the kids. So you're trying to do everything for everyone. You're pleasing nobody. And on smartphones, smartphones make really intelligent people do dumb things when it comes to love and connection. So you get this cycle. So did you ever have guilt? Um, my children have brought themselves up very nicely. So they're a successful, happy human beings contributing to our society. And I guess one of the things, you know, often parents say is I just want my kids to be happy. Well, I want my kids to be resilient, responsible and respectful, and I want them to contribute to a society. Happiness is one of the many, many human emotions and it goes, comes and goes, It as does um upset, anger, and all of the other um, emotions that we have. So happiness is not an end state. It is part of the journey. And once I appreciated that actually kids need contrast, they need to have to pick themselves up, dust themselves off, iron their own school uniform, make their own school lunch, find their way to school. And they bought themselves up nicely. But um, they're okay. And I see a lot of superhuman parents trying to do everything and have the kid off at violin and volleyball and maybe they're going to be a ballet dancer too well unless it's a, it's a real passion and drive maybe from the kid that family time I think is so precious I know during this time that we've been the families have for the first time been eating evening meals for together for instance it's so precious playing games and doing those board games are massive resurgence so we have an opportunity to break the cycle and let's keep it going. One hour of absolute focus, listening, being in their world, asking them questions without judgment is so much more valuable than what did you do at school today? They can't remember. You know. <laughs> I asked my son that. How was your day, Arch? Good? Yep, that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com and we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.